Grace, peace, and mercy be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever tried telling someone something or giving someone an instruction and you think they've got it down? Only until later do you realize that they've completely missed the point. There's a well-told story in my family when I was no more than seven or eight, and growing up we had this little concrete patio in our backyard. It was surrounded by white picket fence with two little openings on either end. It was the perfect little concrete arena. My sister and I would spend hours every summer playing sports in our little concrete arena, and one summer we had gotten rollerblades, so roller hockey was our sport of choice, and as things tended to do, and kind of still do between us, it got competitive. And it did not take long before my sister came inside the house with a big scrape on her knee, crying, saying I had knocked her down and cheated. A few seconds later, I heard the telltale sign any child knows when they're in trouble. My first name followed by my middle name. As I walked to the back door for the reprimand I knew was coming, I heard my mom say, Tanner, I told you if you're going to play hockey with your sister, you have to be careful. You have to be fair with her. She's your little sister. I told her calmly, well, mom, I was careful and fair. Perplexed, my mom asked, so then how did she scrape her knee? I replied with only the confidence that an eight-year-old sure of his innocence could have, well, mom, you said to be careful and fair, so when I knocked her down, I was very careful to do it in a way that would have been perfectly allowable in the NHL. <laughs> so see, I've been both careful and fair. Surprising no one except my eight-year-old self, that explanation did not help my case, nor did it prevent the grounding I rightfully received. I had completely missed the point of what my mother had been trying to tell me. In our Old Testament lesson today, we find the people of Judah, like my eight-year-old self, missing the point, thinking they were doing what God wanted them to do, thinking they were following all the rules and doing everything the right way, yet totally missing the point. God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, says in our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, and the Lord said, because this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. The people of Isaiah's day were memorizing scripture. They were memorizing what God had told them to learn. They were even showing up for worship when they were supposed to, but they were missing the point. They had the laws, the promises, the stories of God all memorized, but that's where it stopped. They could quote you the Ten Commandments, or they knew famous passages they'd use for their daily prayers, like Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 6 would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. But that last part's exactly what they were missing. 
what their rote memorization of the scriptures was trying to tell them was the very thing they didn't get. That the words of the Lord need not be on their lips alone, and it need not be just their physical presence in a specific time and place, but in their heart, in their soul, in their innermost being of who they were. The word that Isaiah uses to describe the hearts of the people in the Hebrew, the actual definition of it is to be disassociated or far. For one thing to be unconnected relationally to another. For one thing to be unconnected relationally to another. If we were to look at ourselves and how we can sometimes approach God or church, I think we'd find that a lot of times we're very similar to the people of Isaiah's day, that we can sometimes get caught up in the busyness of life and we say what we say every week off memorization of years of faithful church attendance, faithful instruction, but our hearts and our focus can be elsewhere. Maybe it's that big presentation at work that's coming up this week, which depending on how it goes, is going to make or break the next year for your family financially. Or maybe it's the drama or stress of infighting between parents, siblings, children, family, friends. For our students here, maybe it's that big test or the paper that's due this week and it's Sunday and you haven't started. Or maybe it's even the thing we are looking forward to. The big football game the big baseball game, the barbecue with family and friends, even a vacation. Whatever it may be though, we've all been there. We've all done it. I've done it. We have all gone through the motions. We've all showed up even physically at church and left our hearts away from God. And it's not necessarily on purpose that we do these things, but because of our sinful nature. That's how I know that no one is immune to this. That in our sinful nature, we can sometimes leave our focus on the things of this world, the busyness of this world. Now, before I get ahead of myself, I do want to make one thing clear, and that's that I'm not saying that things like the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creeds, the things we have memorized, those are bad things. I'm not saying we should keep people on their toes by changing up the order of service or changing the words of what we say. In fact, the things that we do have memorized, those are wonderful things. Those are beautiful things. But what I am saying is just because we're here on a Sunday or just because we have certain things memorized, it does not excuse the need for our hearts to be engaged with God. But the good news is, is that when we do miss the point, our missing the point of our worship, the missing the point of coming to church, when we do those things, it's contrasted by the very God we've been disingenuous towards. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 29, the very next verse. I will again do wonderful things with this people. Wonder upon wonder. He's a God that even though sometimes we pay him little more than lip service, he's paid for us with his life service. And the marvelous things, the marvelous things that he promised to do in Isaiah's prophecy, 
the wonder upon wonder, the wonder after wonder after wonder after wonder, those are the things that we as Christians have the benefit of partaking in, of receiving things like the wonder of baptism, something we'll see again this weekend at the 1045 service, where Christ's blood cleanses us, where through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given faith and God calls us his own, where with water and the word, our old sinful self is killed and we are made alive in Christ. Or things like the wonder of the Lord's Supper, communion, the true reception of the body and blood of Christ, not done out of the vanity of outward appearance or because we're bringing something of value to the Lord's table, but done as the true reception of the forgiveness of sins and as the true reception of the body and blood of Christ poured out for you on the cross. And how about the wonder of that cross, that God sent his only begotten son to die for you? Followed up just three days later by the wonder of that empty tomb on Easter morning where sin, death, and the devil were resoundingly defeated. And the wonders of God, the things God does for us, it doesn't just end with our life on this earth. We also have the wonder of what is to come. The wonder of everlasting life, the wonder of an eternity with God. These are the things that God does for you, his people, his children. These are the wonders that Isaiah was talking about that are done for you. Even though we miss the point, even though sometimes we go through the motions, we know that our God doesn't go through the motions. That's one of the beautiful things about this month is our hymn of the month is In Christ Alone. And the first line of it is, In Christ alone my hope is found. And that's the truth, that in Christ alone is our hope. In Christ alone is our refuge. It's a hope that we cling to. And ultimately we know that in Christ alone we have a faith that has prepared a place for us. A place in God's kingdom. The kingdom of God which has no end. Amen. Now we confess our faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand. <clears throat>